The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. There are onions, Tim, and then there are nature. Well, pucker up. Let's hope it's a uh, well sequel to what we saw Saturday night with college basketball. Welcome into Championship Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Monday on ESPN Lincoln. And, uh, of course, down here in the rail yard, we are at Longwell's. And it is fantastic weather. We invite you out here to Longwell's. The prizes for picks. You can get your name into the hopper that's uh, inside. And we're outside here. We're right by the basketball hoop. Um, During commercial breaks, there will be a game of pig between myself and Katie. Uh, If you're a betting person, you would bet heavily on Katie to win the the pig contest. We welcome in Elijah Herbal. He's back at the studio. We may see him later. Will Wilson coming down because we're here for your title game tonight, Gonzaga and uh, Baylor. Man, how uh, what a long, strange trip it has been to get to the national title game championship Monday. You'll hear that on ESPN Lincoln, of course, with Westwood One's coverage. We lead into that at 6. And we're loaded up. Plenty of Nebraska football. Some NFL news. Sam Darnold is going to Carolina. And, uh, of course, uh, plenty to get into with Husker baseball over the weekend. Hubert Davis will now have the wheel in North Carolina. And, uh, yes, the uh, emotion of Saturday night. You'll remember where you were when uh, that shot was drilled by Suggs. I hope you saw it. I hope you heard it. I'm pretty sure you did. And uh, lots of Nebraska football to dive into as well as a pretty revealing day in spring camp with Mario Verdusco. Uh, We also heard from Ryan Held. We also heard from Adrian Martinez. So lots to cover. I want to see you down here at Longwell's. Uh, the, uh, The beer is cold. The beer is good. Get yourself some wings and hunker down for a great title game tonight. Numbers to dial up, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. And uh, can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Coming up, Greg Smith. We'll talk some spring football with Greg from Hale Varsity. Uh, get his take on recruiting. Why did Nebraska not land Suggs, the hero for Gonzaga, uh, at the quarterback spot in 2018? Inquiring minds want to know. But Greg Smith is on the way this first hour. Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt, Mondays with Charlie. And then uh, Jeff Smith, the Hall of Fame basketball coach at Southeast, longtime assistant to Danny Knee. He'll be here with us to, to break down the title game, talk about the college basketball world, and get into... Uh, not only the weekend 
uh, reaction to this just instant classic thriller with uh, UCLA and Gonzaga. But yes, uh, the title game tonight. Elijah, I am I am not in the sun. I thought about it. I baked enough. Looking for golf balls this weekend. How are you hanging? Uh, I, I am actually... I guess slightly recovering. I got like one of like the light burns. I was like, you know, I wasn't even outside for that long, but just my skin hasn't seen the sun in six months, so it just got a little bit pink just based on seeing the sun like at all. So recovering from that, feeling good, ready to get down to Longwells tonight and watch the game. Uh, yeah, it was good weekend. I, I built myself a new grill. I, I sent you a picture of it on Saturday. And you let me did. Tell you got what. yourself a pit boss smoker slash grill. Didn't yes. You? Yes, and. I am just so happy with my purchase. My last one was just one of those, uh, the propane gas grills. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. doesn't impart the same flavor on the meat that even charcoal does. So to be able to get one with like the, the pellet smoke, uh, just I'm over the moon. Well, so you, you well, the maiden voyage was what, pulled pork or did you do tenderloin? Did, did myself a, a pork tenderloin, had it marinating in like a garlic herb uh, type thing mm. and then uh, threw it on, let it smoke for like a good hour and a half and I finished it off with a little sear and I, I still have some in the fridge actually. I, I was home alone Saturday night. Uh, well, my, my roommates were gone so I said, well, that's their loss. I'm making myself a pork tenderloin. I have it all sliced up in the fridge and I've told them they can't eat it. I hope your pork tenderloin is still in the fridge because uh, I was that roommate. If somebody made something awesome, it was fair game, despite <laughs> the hands-off sign attached to the fridge. So you were by yourself Saturday night watching UCLA Gonzaga? Well, yeah, uh, eventually uh, I made it down to Longwell's after the game, and I had a friend come uh, from pick me up from my house, and I said, okay, there's five minutes left in the second half here. You're going to watch this with me because uh, I've been watching this whole game by myself. I need somebody to watch it with me, and it was a crazy finish. No complaints. Uh, just- it was I- incredible. It's one of those flashbulb moments in sports. And as a Nebraska football fan, you know where you were if you were alive when, when Nebraska finally beat Oklahoma in 78. You know where you were when Osborne went for two on that stage in that moment against Miami in the 84 Orange Bowl. You know where you were where Bennett's kick missed wide left. I mean, the ups and the downs, the thrill and the agony of amazing moments in sports. Someone's got to win, someone's got to lose. And uh, we were out to dinner, and we were with some friends after golf. And then we went, uh, and and you're at dinner with your wife, and you're at dinner with your buddy, and you're at dinner with his wife. And we're kind of side-eyeing off to the side where there is a TV, thank the Lord, (laughs) so I could keep an eye on the game and keep one eye slash ear open for normal dinner conversation and and me and, and my friend uh, we let the wives chat a little bit and we we're both kind of just let's just say we weren't a thousand percent bought in <laughs> we had the first half second half we went over to, to coach brett's house and, and you know coach Baird and company and we're all just in the living room and everyone's elbow to elbow people are on the floor in the living room you're around the flat screen And you're like, this is an incredible game. Everyone shot incredible in the first half, 58, 60%. I mean, you know how well the offenses performed in the first half. You get to overtime. UCLA's down five with two minutes or a little less than in overtime. They tie it. And and then Suggs does his thing with 3.8 left. And the whole room exploded. And you saw different moments of ecstasy on social media and also you, you saw moments of agony with the UCLA crowd 
thinking they had tied it to force the second overtime, and then uh, Suggs puts on his Superman cape. Here's Kevin Kugler's call uh, of the, the sequence that will go down as the best game maybe ever in the Final Four. Uh, but you also have the Elite Eight game that's the Leitner-Kentucky game winner. I remember where I was uh, for that one back in 1992. But here's Kugler's call. The pride of Lincoln High nails it again for Westwood One. Seven seconds to go. Six seconds. Juzang in the paint. Fade away. No. Got his own rebound. Slithers to the rim and lays it in. Three seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Oh! Banks at home. Banks at home. Jalen Suggs. A deep banked three to Sten Gonzaga. One step closer to history. Unbeaten Gonzaga comes up with the hero play of the year from the freshman man and and that was painted beautifully a picasso once again by kugler and uh just incredible but you always know where you were when that was hit and, and i couldn't believe ucla's charge to finish and then gonzaga's poise to say hold my beer we're not going to overtime number two elijah yeah, I actually was really surprised. Uh, whenever they, they drew up that play, I saw, like, oh, they have a timeout. So as soon as they crossed half court, I was screaming, yeah, uh, take your timeout, take your timeout. You can design an inbounds play from the side out, which is, you know, much closer to the basket. And turns out I was super wrong. I went crazy <laughs> when that, ba- uh, that bucket went in. Just, like, th- there's a reason I'm not uh, a Division One basketball coach, I guess, because I would have called a timeout as soon as Jalen Suggs made it past half court. Well, sometimes you let it ride. Worst case, you're going to overtime. We'll dive into the matchup itself and get Jeff Smith's reaction. Let's uh, switch over to some Nebraska football. And pretty telling day, uh, Elijah. And, uh, you know, turnovers, the focus. Uh, You heard from Adrian Martinez. You heard from uh, Mario Verdusco. You heard from Ryan Held and and Turner Corcoran and some other guys uh, a part of the team. So that was great. But... Real quick, what did you think of, of Adrian's four-and-a-half-minute video that he released uh, on uh, on Saturday? Uh, and, you know, Nebraska is a, a leader in uh, name, image, likeness, and uh, Adrian's able to brand himself, and Adrian's able to, to put out some video. And the, uh, the, the prove-it mentality... Is, is very real. There's no more jacking around. There's high levels of urgency. And one side can say, where has that been? The other side can go, it's uh, better late than never. And you've just got more of an adult feel uh, from the head coach on, on down with to the, to the quarterback where it's time to get some work done. It's time to win some games. It's time to stop getting in your own way. And I thought that was a, a pretty remarkable window into Adrian Martinez's life here at Nebraska. You hear the noise, you hear the doubters, but also you just look at a day in a life behind the scenes where the guy's rolling into the football facility at 6 a.m., leaving home at 5.30 or whatever, and uh, getting taped up. And, and then there's practice, being the vocal guy he is, and just you got to go on a ride along with adrian martinez and a lot of things were touched on and addressed and he hit on a couple more things obviously after practice today but under his control he put out that four and a half uh, minute video and and i thought it was pretty telling and 
man, there, there's so much adversity in life, and Adrian's had a lot of it even before football, and he's weathered it well as a stand-up guy, absolutely, no matter what happens this season. Adrian Martinez, one of the good guys, one of the leaders, and you want the wins to follow with that leadership, with that character, with that talent. And um, we'll see where, where it goes this season for Nebraska with their schedule. But, listen, that video is pretty cool and uh, something he didn't need to do. But I think he wanted to kind of get out there just what it's like for him. And, and there was no poor me attached to this. It was just pretty straightforward of, of rolling with the punches, Elijah, through the first three years as the quarterback at Nebraska. Yeah, and before I get into like what he said, because there was some some good stuff in there, I just want to yeah. say major props to the the team who put that together. Uh, well, you I'm, know some of the guys, don't you? Yeah, I know some of them. And there's been a discussion in like the social media world of, of sports teams of are, are we allowed to to cuss on our social media platforms? And and they threw some in there. Nothing tasteless. It, it just kept That's it just very real. Talk. Yeah, and the the thing is, is the people who are following these teams on social media, it's not five year olds, it's not six year olds. It's people who. They've heard the words before. I can't say them on radio, but yeah, I mean, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> but like the uh, the people who are following the team, they, they want realness, and, and it felt real to be able to get that side of Adrian Martinez, not censored, nothing like that. But I will say, um, I'm not sure if, if you saw this, Chris, but I tweeted out last night that burnout is very real right now for college students, and you can see that in the video. I mean, Adrian's getting up when it's dark out. Uh, he's showing up. He's staying at the stadium all day, coming back home uh, when it's again dark. So uh, major props. I know that that football team it's a tough semester uh they're still grinding through spring practice and they're being professionals about it uh that was my main takeaway from this was it was it was business-like the way adrian was going out there and, and handling his business because that's what it is at this point is it's it's a job for him to go out there and play football and improve himself and i think there is a there's importance to that there's importance to have passion for what you're doing but it's also important to be to be business-like and to treat it like a job and to say this is my contribution to the state of Nebraska, and I need to show up every single day and work because it's it's what I can do for my university. We'll hear more from Ryan Held and, and specifically uh, Mario Verdusco on, on Adrian Martinez. But a couple of comments from Adrian here. Uh, let's, let's go with part of Adrian's post-practice today, and we'll start with the things that um, Adrian is, is set for this year. What are Adrian's goals Here's 2 a.m. after practice today. Sorry, Chris. Once I was taking a call. One second. Nope. Uh, let's go cut six, bud. You know, there's been a lot of ups and downs, for sure, over my career here. And uh, I just want to leave it all out there. You know, and that, not just for me, I think it's a proven year for us. As a team, as a unit. I think there's a lot that we're capable of, um, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You know, we got to work for it, got to prove it, prove it to each other, and prove it to uh, the state, to everyone else. Very fair. Uh, very fair on the the prove it side of things for uh, the quarterback, the offense, this team. There's talent there. Can they summon it? Win on a Saturday and then follow it up, right? They've had nice wins. Have they put a string together? That's been difficult. One last thought here from Adrian Martinez here on his turnovers. That's been a key. We'll get more from Mario Verduzco on that later, but turnovers has been the difference between okay, frustrating, benched, and you've seen flashes of greatness. 
and turnovers have been have been the problem. It has to be an effort on my part to uh, really it's ball security. I feel good about uh, the interception piece to an extent. I obviously need to clean those up, but ball security. I, I really hurt my team when I fumble the ball, um, and that hurts the defense. Obviously, the offensive side of the ball and the turnover margin we need to limit. So effort in practice, uh, film room when it comes to decision making and continuing to uh, put a concentrated you know, effort and focus on those things. Okay, last thought here on on Adrian and and Elijah. We can tackle this with Greg a little bit, too. When it comes to Adrian's turnovers, he's not tackled in practice. Okay, you want to keep him as healthy as possible. So if you're going to ask him to run that much or your quarterbacks, it's hard to do and expect incredible ball security because they're not simulating the physicality that you get from a game. So we'll dive into that. Greg Smith's on the way. We're down here at Longwell's Roadshow Monday with Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you. We're here at Longwell's Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow National Championship game tonight. Baylor Gonzaga. You're invited down. Uh, what a thriller Saturday night. Uh, plenty of Husker football from spring session uh, Monday. Well, we'll get into with Coach Verdusco and Coach Held. And uh, you're invited to come down and get uh, a frosty one and find that seat, get some wings ordered for the title game tonight. Here We're outside right by the basketball hoop right next to the drink window. If you know where the cube is here in the rail yard, you just go north and the Longwell's, uh, I, I guess as I would title it, the south entrance is where we're at here, just right next to the uh, the hoop. A guy that had a sweet three-point shot in uh, in high school and going out on a limb is, is Greg Smith with Hale Varsity. We say hi to Greg and follow him on Twitter at GregSmithHV. Greg, what happened with the post-practice stand-up camera? You and Aaron Sorensen both were diving for the ball like you're Davison. <laughs> well, listen, I'm not going to lie. I did a Cam Newton and kind of looked at the thing, Paul, um, while she really dove for the ball because she saw her life flash before I her phone falling. Um, we just didn't have it propped up enough, and <laughs> the thing was going down. <laughs> well, the behind-the-scenes footage is, is priceless <laughs> where Greg's like, uh-oh. And, and it's like this the slow no. It's almost like, you know, you're hearing reaction from – bars around Pauley Pavilion from Saturday night. You know, that shot's hanging in the air uh, to bank in. We'll get to some basketball thoughts in a moment, but your takeaways today, uh, where do you want to start? What what stuck out most to you about practice and some of the, 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 the post, uh, post-practice? post Was it held? Because I know we're all interested in the running backs, but the, the Adrian uh, Super Mario dynamic, Coach Verdusco, is, is still pretty cool to to hear about even as they're going into a third now fourth year together yeah i i thought that the, the thing that stood out to me the most uh was the stuff from verdusco i thought that the relationship what he talked about with him and adrian um, especially as it related to having to bench adrian last year um and how difficult a decision that was but how it was needed that adrian has bounced back as nicely as, as could be um from that and it was good to see that i think that that stuff was good and then i think the big thing from the day is just how i guess like 
to the point Coach Verduzco is about what Adrian needs to improve on um, for this season coming up, which is to stop turning the ball over. And I think that you've heard that now from Coach Verduzco. Coach Frost mentioned it, I know, and I think Coach Lubick did too. And then Adrian himself talked about it today. Um, and we knew that that should be an emphasis, but to hear all of them say it and to say it this forcefully, I think is at least something that you know it's definitely on their mind. So message is loud and clear on that, and interceptions are going to happen at, at quarterback as long as they're not just awful forced throws. Uh, and Adrian's had some red zone issues trying to do too much, and, and I feel for him. He's got to be better, yes, but I feel for him in the sense that I think he did have limited options compared to his freshman year on offense. He felt more of a responsibility to try and make some things happen. And and you force some things. And I think of the Northwestern interception in the end zone. There was just a, a backbreaker. And you're kind of like, what are you doing? But, you know, we, we know somebody. <laughs> I haven't been there, right? But we know somebody who's been there trying to make a play. And that's that was the wrong time to try and force it. Now, Greg, from a fumbling standpoint, you've got one running back fumble last year. The rest were quarterbacks, okay? And these guys aren't drilled in practice, right? They have a hard enough time staying healthy with the rigors of the Big Ten. So what do you do? How do you simulate, all right, dude, we're going to ask you to carry the football, but don't fumble it. And and we remember the Rutgers game. We remember some key moments in the Ohio State game, whether it was a missed block or just the quarterback gets hit and is loose with the football, whether he's wearing sleeves or not. That's a tough ask. All right, don't fumble the ball. I get it. Okay, well, I need to be hit like the, the running backs are hit in practice to hold on to the football. That isn't happening, and I don't know that it's going to happen. No, it probably won't, but I wonder, though, if, if it's not a situation. You know how, like, and, and Ryan Health mentioned this today about how, you know, with the running backs putting the pads on, you can see if they're running better with ball security and if their pad levels are right. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if it's a different thing with the quarterbacks where as soon as there's guys around them or you see the clips where they take off and run on these, like, you know, prepackaged deals that they put out, and it looks really good. But I wonder if when they're doing that in practice anymore, they need to just cover up the same way that you would if guys were about to hit you so essentially you're just repping doing that over and over again versus just having it free and loose out there because you know no one's about to hit you like maybe even something like that would be something that would be helpful um because something has to change there because you're right it's a lot more fumble issues than it is interception issues um and that's a drive killer and it really for a team that doesn't have a huge margin for error that can make a huge difference for the team if you do start to add up Greg Smith with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Greg, Adrian Martinez at the podium said, essentially, yeah, I still believe there's a quarterback competition. I got some talented guys behind me. You believe in what he's saying there? You think that's just something he's telling himself to to keep himself motivated and kind of to, to make the best out of himself? No, there's, there is no quarterback competition. Um, he is the guy. But I like what he said, though, right? I think you – because and, uh, he also mentioned that anytime you lose a job, you get benched and you have to fight your way back, you also – that edge stays with you. Um, so I think that that's a really good thing. And if, that, if he's found a way to convince himself that he stays mentally sharp, that is great. Uh, but we know who the starting quarterback is going to be for that first game barring injury. Greg Smith's with us talking Nebraska Spring Ball, Hale Varsity Radio. We're here at Longwell's. A little light shower here in the courtyard here uh, as we're at Longwell's just outside their south entrance here in the uh, the commons area. 
the uh, the drink windows will be flowing, and you'll have championship basketball tonight. Greg, uh, with the, uh, the 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 quarterbacks and the running backs, uh, both are, are positions of great need at Nebraska. Uh, Gabe Irvin's a guy that is getting buzz and, and held the most tempered guy I believe there is. He doesn't hand out candy, let alone compliments, unless you're really earning it. But Urban's a guy that you just don't – do you feel that he's going to just be right there continuing to chop wood? There's something different about him. Am I right with that? Yeah, I'm with you there. You're you're putting up, picking up what I'm putting down on that because I think that he's a kid that's going to be in the mix. And I think that part of this is is that it's like, yes, the starting position is kind of open, even if you think that uh, Marquis Stepp has an inside track to that being the most veteran guys. He's played a lot of football um, at the collegiate level. But there are still a lot of carries to go around in this offense. And if you're a running back trying to put yourself into position um, for more action out there, you, if you prove yourself to be reliable in that that this way these guys can take some pressure off of Adrian running the football because you want to keep him healthy and keep him at his most effective. Um, you can carve out a nice role even as the second running back in this offense, which is historically featured more than one running back that carries the ball a lot. Um, and I think Dave Irvin can be that type of guy. Um, he's well put together. I think Held mentioned, too, that he's gained some weight even since he's been here. But he's well put together. He runs well between the tackles. He can catch the ball. And he played at a really good high school program down uh, in Georgia, Buford High School, that's won a couple of state championships. So I think he's a guy um, that can come in and really turn some heads, uh, but at the end of that, he's still a freshman and he's got to be consistent, too. You know, Greg, with that consistency, it's going to take reps. It's going to take uh, knowing all of what to do, but in your opinion, is it too herky-jerky with the running back rotation? And that's not a criticism of, of held or even the play calling or the scheme. It's just they don't overload a guy. And, and it took the Rutgers game, right, for a guy like Mills to get lathered up. They kept going to him, and bang, he had 25 carries for almost 200 yards. Do you see a f- philosophical shift at all if they've got a couple of, of dudes, right, where they'll just lean on a one-two punch if those are the best two options versus – I mean, look at all the games with everybody getting a touch, right? And, and that's great for morale, but I don't think the the backs to their to, to be fair to them, they've ever really had a chance to get in rhythm and uh, get in rhythm unless your name's Ziggy. I mean, they they found him and stuck with him. He emerged. Great. Well, right. he's about it. Yeah, and I, I think that you're going to have to get that thing whittled down to a couple of guys and let them kind of be the guys um, and have their defined roles. It, you're right. It's great for morale to say, hey, if you're the fourth running back, maybe you'll get in there this game. Um, but I don't think it's great for those top couple of guys that are really looking to get into the action, which is what's it's going to make things interesting, though, because you've got a lot of young running backs um, and guys that have talent in their own right that are trying to fight out there. But that's why you go through this spring um, to see who can separate themselves and really make it to where the coaches have to play them uh, because you do worry on the other end about losing a guy or so out of that group if that ends up happening. Um, but if that does happen, hopefully it's because a couple of guys have really emerged. Greg, uh, last thought here on Nebraska football before we hit some some basketball in the title game tonight. You know, with this offense here, there's been some different footwork. There's been some different attention Uh, placed here this spring and i know special teams is uh, where i want to go what's that say to you that that's the first thing they do at practice now Um, 
they've come to a realization that, all right, we got to emphasize this stuff. Well, they're actually doing it in practice, but because it's first up, does that have more weight in your opinion? Is it something that you'll see immediate results with? Lord knows you need to because it's cost you some football games. Yeah, you would you would like to think so. I don't think that it that moving it up in practice is not going to make it worse. Let's just say that. I think that between it coming out that that's the first thing they do do in practice, and basically now every assistant, if you've noticed that we talked to, has mentioned special teams. Either they've been asked about it and have been pretty forceful and mm-hmm. saying that their unit needs to play a role in it, or they've brought it up on their own. Like it still stuck with me that Sean Becton, um, of all people, the tight ends coach, was kind of adamant about we have to be better at special teams. Do you like to see that level of buy-in because you know if it's coming from the assistant, it's also come from the head coach and it should filter down to the players. So I think that all of that is what you really like to see if you're going to hope that they're going to take steps on special teams um, because again, margin error isn't huge with this team. You need to find ways to be better uh, in the margin. Greg Smith, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Recruiting Insider at Greg Smith HV. Greg, uh, any uh, give, me a, give me a winner tonight. And uh, who's the next commit uh, this week? Because I know you got something in your back pocket. <laughs> so the, the winner is a lot easier to pick, for me at least. I'm going to go with the Zags. Um, I think they're, they finish this thing off. It's uh, fantastic. Um, and it would be nice given the program that Mark Few has built up there if they mm-hmm. go ahead and win one. I'm actually rooting for them tonight. Um, the next commit, that one's a little bit tougher because I would have never given you Mr. Jones Jr. Um, when, when that one came down. I'm going to say James Mons third is your next commit, but maybe not until June, which means I'll be horribly wrong, but people will be happy because that means somebody committed to him. Beautiful. Greg, awesome stuff. Pop on down here for a beer if you feel like it down here at Longwells. Thanks for jumping on today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. All right, there he is, Greg Smith with us. What did Super Mario have to say about his quarterback? We'll uh, get to that next. Uh, Mario Verdusco's post-practice on the way. Hail Varsity live at Longwells. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back here at Hale Varsity Radio, Roadshow Monday. We're down here at Longwells, outdoors today, but it's all right. Plenty of time to get down here and see us. The prizes for picks giveaway. Plenty of goodies and prizes and food and drink specials here at Longwells. And you know what? A little bit of a rain shower went through. We're outdoors. It sounds like someone is on shop class times a 1,000 off to my left. There's a little construction going on. There's also one of those sweet four-wheel drive lift vehicles across the way right by Hero. So I don't know if it's window cleaning or what. My view's obscured here, but there's a few folks racing around on scooters. I would need a helmet or I'd carve myself up because I have zero coordination. But, yeah, Longwells is where we want to to see it tonight here, Championship Monday, Uh, Gonzaga, and, uh, of course, Baylor. And uh, what a what a Saturday night it was, man. Uh, Elijah's telling me that uh, you, you can't hear that, Elijah. You cannot hear the jackhammer and the saw. Well, I can hear it on like the actual feed you're sending me, but then I'm checking like what's going out over the air, and it's like it's it's not even there. So, so, okay. so I don't I don't think it's an issue. No. Well, good. Yeah, we got some some fellas over there across the way under the cube uh, going to work. Super Mario, man. I uh, love Mario Verdusco. Enjoy uh, his commentary always. And uh, Adrian and uh, Mario, man, they've been through uh, all the ups and downs. 
Uh, this is uh, Mario, Coach Mario, on the benching that happened last year. You saw Adrian respond with the video right uh, ahead of the Penn State game, a stand-up teammate, and then came in and, and finished things off. It's been a, a crazy trip for Adrian, the pressure, the expectation, the freshman year, the injuries. We've, we heard from Adrian to open up the show, but here is Coach Verdusco on that benching here, pretty uh, pretty reality audio here from the position coach, the quarterback man. Well, um, I, I think anytime uh, you have a, from his perspective, a setback like that and you don't learn from it, there, there's, there's, there's a problem. And um, we had a, a good heart-to-heart, you know. Um, and so I, I, I think he grew a lot as a quarterback he's a pretty mature young guy to begin with from a behavior standpoint just how he how he uh, carries himself you know uh does that always translate over to how you are as a quarterback sometimes yes sometimes no um so i think he learned quite a bit from that experience i number one i i don't make those calls those are coach Frost's decisions he asked me what i thought and i told him what i thought and I told Adrian the exact reason um, why it needed to happen. So that was a pretty real conversation. Think about this, and maybe it's happened to you in life where you're getting recruited away or to a job, a position. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be wonderful. We need you. We love you. We want you. Da 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 da. And and then it, it doesn't go a thousand percent cleanly there's ups and downs in life there's ups and downs in work there's ups and downs as a high level quarterback that's recruited and and elijah i have no doubt from day one frost and and mario were super real with adrian and super real with any quarterback they talked to if if you're not doing the job if you're if, if, if it didn't if it didn't happen we're going to go somewhere else. It ain't personal. It's about wins. And Adrian's a big enough dude to, to take that in stride. And it's really always, don't you think, about how you respond. And I like how Adrian's responded uh, as as a voice, as a guy who keeps putting the work in, who hasn't flinched, and who's grown from it. it. Adversity sucks. Trying to respond to it isn't for everyone. And, and having a guy that you want to look at as a friend now he's kind of like a father figure and sometimes you, you got to be the parent and, and not the friend yeah and adrian's a guy that i mean he doesn't have much experience in his football career as a whole sitting on the bench in high school just he from was, injury he was the starting quarterback yeah he had to sit on the bench because of injury but it wasn't because there was somebody that was outperforming him and then he, he steps in at nebraska in his freshman year he's the starting quarterback so it's got to be a, a tough almost a wake-up call to, to have to sit that game on the bench, not because you're hurt, you're fully healthy. There's just some guy out there that, that the coaches think gives you a better chance to win. That, that's got to be a real reality check and a, a tough conversation for sure for Mario to have with the guy who's the, the chosen one at quarterback, if, if you will. That's the guy that Frost that's, brought in his first yeah. year. Uh, so Adrian has these these expectations on himself of, this is the guy that Scott Frost brought in to turn around Nebraska, and that's me. And now I am not performing well enough to where I'm even seeing the field. That's got to be just a, a, a tough reality check. Um, but also it's something that I think he came back from stronger at the end of last year, and I hope it, it turns into a, another strong performance through the spring and into summer and even into the fall. More from um, Verdusco here. He got emotional when talking about Adrian. 
you all have children, or some of you have pets or dogs, or, and you love them to death, man, you know? So he's like your son. And uh, sometimes those things uh, are difficult to, 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 to tell them the truth about themselves. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's not always easy, but it needs to be done. And, and that part of the, if you will, the four domains of learning, that affective domain part sometimes can be the most difficult of things, uh, just in terms of the communication, the things that, that you are re required uh, to say. Yeah. But, you know, he and I have a, a tremendous relationship. And um, those lines of communication um, were wide-ass open. Excuse my French. When we recruited him, when he came here, and they're, and they're, and they're, still, they're still wide open. So. To me, that is, uh, we've never BSed him, never lied to him. There's a certain level of expectation. They weren't being met. We went with a different option. He came in and weathered it, and... Let's uh, let's go get some wins in year four. Uh, that's got to be the mindset in that quarterback room. Uh, last thought here from uh, Coach Verdusco here, and back to the turnover topic. You know, it's it's Adrian and where he needs to improve. No more freaking turnovers. That's it. You got just got to take care of the damn football. You know, seriously. Um, I know Coach Frost mentioned <clears throat> the Rutgers game was probably the worst game and the best game I've ever seen. You know, um, so uh, if you can eliminate the turnovers and take care of the football, and if he truly cares about his teammates, like I know he does, uh, evidenced by his behavior, you know, at the, the Penn State game, right? So if he cares like about his guys like I know he does, then, you know, take care of the ball. You know, those guys on defense don't, don't want to see turnovers. I don't want to see turnovers. Coach Frost absolutely does not want to see turnovers. Well, uh, that's obvious, but it needs to be acted upon. And I hope uh, that's the case for you as a Nebraska fan. I hope that they do take care of the football. It seems so simple and obvious. But you've had your, <laughs> your heart ripped out, and it's really kept this football team from achieving how good they can, you know, how good they can be. That That's just the truth. You, you want to talk about the record? Flip it around, slice it up a little bit, and uh, points off turnovers, short fields, sudden changes, the defense, what's the offense done to complement the defense? It's all one uh, giant part of the equation here. We'll wind down hour one. We're here at Longwell's Championship Monday. Come on and see us. Get a spot here for the title game tonight. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you here outside of Longwell's. Uh, come on down to Longwell's for the title game tonight. Beer and drink specials. Uh, well, beer and drink, same thing. I have not had any, Elijah, before you accuse me. Uh, getting ready for Gonzaga-Baylor and uh, wonderful weather right now. Uh, of course, uh, the uh, Megatron setup is wonderful. Plenty of amazing prizes for you uh, when you get to Longwell's with uh, Hale Varsity and ESPN Lincoln. Please do check out your friends at West Blue Realty. Are you going to move? Are you going to get that dollar amount? You, you're like, wow. Maybe it's time to sell the house. West Blue Realty can help whether you're moving or selling. Uh, they specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. 
and uh, you want to get $1,000 off the closing of your next home purchase, you mentioned Hale Varsity to your friends Tom Luby and Kelly Hofschneider. Give Tom a shout at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider's number at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. WestBlueRealty.com. And get an appointment today with uh, Tom or Kelly. 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Sam Darnold is on the move, traded to Carolina today for three picks, a sixth rounder in 2021. Uh, Jets will also uh, be uh, getting a second and fourth for 2022. Darnold is 13 and 25 in his career, uh, 45 touchdowns, 39 picks, 59% completion percentage. Uh, he regressed under under Adam Geis. Geis is horrific. That's where I chalk up lack of progress to Sam Darnold's career. Elijah, I love this for Carolina. I think Dwight Schrute Jr. is an amazing quarterback, was in college, needs some help around him uh, in the NFL. And to be flat-out honest with you, when I think of, of Sam Darnold, great arm, phenomenal talent. The Jets were torn on him getting rid of him but think about this you get teamed up now with rule and joe brady and i think you could have something cooking down in carolina am i crazy that's not bad at all for carolina to to give what they gave up to get a guy like donald why not see if you can rehab him see if you actually went and watched jets games last year and i watched what sam donald can do on the field He's got the the pure physical talent to make it in the NFL. He can make the throws. Uh, he can read a defense. The, the problem is, is he had no talent around him last year. I think the play no, there's called- no Quincy. There's no running exactly. game. I mean, the, the defense was on the field a lot. And I'm not a, like a Jets aficionado, but Salah is going to be defense heavy again. And he had no help. Yeah, absolutely no help. In the Jets' offense last year, Adam Gase, uh, something about this offense was stuck in 2007. Like it didn't have any modern concepts, barely any pre-snap motion. Like he wasn't in a place where he could succeed. I think this is going to be the, the best possible thing for him to get a fresh start. And hey, you're going to be with there with uh, Matt Rule, who by all accounts is a pretty talented head coach, a very very talented offense coordinator, and Joe Brady, and one of the best running backs in the league, and Christian McCaffrey. And nothing helps a young quarterback find confidence than a running game that he can lean on so he's not throwing the ball 40 times a game. Well, I mean, Darnold's running for his life a lot. There's, yeah, and, no, and with Christian McCaffrey, there's no run game either. You're right. With Christian McCaffrey, now you pretty much have a reliable check down every single time you drop back because Christian McCaffrey is talented enough that more times than not, he is going to get open in the flat. So, yeah, you so want, you I want love Mac this. to come back uh, with uh, absolutely healthy for sure. But no, Darnold's not washed up at all. He's not been great. You've seen a, a Russ Landy told us this. Look, look, he's had enough starts to make a call whether you move on from him or not. And and he gets uh, a new zip code. Good for him. Coach McBride's next. We're here at Longwell's for Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back to it into Hour 2 at Tail City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery on the road today here at Longwell's down in the Rail Yard Championship Monday. As uh, we are just outside the south entrance here, if you go from the Commons area across from the tube, the cube rather, uh, Longwell's is set up, man. Plenty of food and drink specials tonight. Those three Megaton, Megatron TVs. Uh, are there for you for Baylor Gonzaga. I know you were down here, Elijah, for the UCLA thriller against the Zags uh, with that that half-court heave in overtime that it just had to be a magic moment. A guy who's seen a lot of unforgettable moments in the world of sports was on the sideline for him and probably called a few plays or two to, to make him happen. We welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself. Mondays with Charlie. Charlie McBride with us. Coach, uh, ready for some hoops tonight, but plenty of football on our mind. How was your weekend? Good. It was good. The weather's getting good. Of course, I, I just saw they had a record snowfall in Alaska, so I'm worried about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're worried about not having to go to Alaska like me, right? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. Well, we're at 84 degrees here, sunny, a little breezy. And uh, the other part of it that's great is, well, we're covered, which is nice. But I uh, had a yeah. little uh, little sprinkle come through the area, which was uh, outstanding. So it's cooled things off for a little bit of the humidities out of the air. So it's, uh, it's really pleasant. Were you watching the ball game Saturday night with Gonzaga, UCLA? I, 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 I saw the end of it. And um, it was, uh, you know, I kind of was lost at the time. I, I kind of walked away for a little bit, came back and saw how close it was. And then I started watching it, and all of a sudden I didn't realize it was that. I thought there was a minute and something to go in the game, and it wasn't. It was like the seconds were ticking off, and I thought it was like I saw like 30-something. I thought it was, well, that's, you know, 30, I mean, um, 20 minutes or something like that. So I thought that's a long time yet. And all of a sudden he came down and shot, (laughs) took a shot, and everybody jumped on him, I thought. You know, it was halftime almost. I thought, what the heck's going on, you know? But anyway, I don't get real carried away with um, basketball, but I enjoy watching it. And, uh, you know, and I watched a lot of the girls last night. I think I watched the whole game. And, you know, and there was some softball on yesterday. And so I just kind of hung out after church and watched a little sports and that was about it and the weather was really super you know we're going to get 80s tomorrow so i'm looking forward to that that's awesome no we uh we hit the golf ball around a little bit on saturday lost the golf ball quite a bit on saturday but it was good we'll uh kind of dive into some spring football here charlie mcbride's with us hail varsity radio mondays with charlie so, Coach, uh, topic of conversation today was was turnovers, and, and Adrian Martinez, his position coach, uh, Verdusco, spent time on it. Adrian addressed it. It's been an emphasis by Coach Frost. And in your opinion, what what can you do uh, from a practice standpoint to to get your quarterbacks? better at taking care of the football because you don't also really want to hit your quarterbacks during practice all that often. What do you do to, to simulate that physicality in a game? 
Well, you turn it around and, and emphasize turnovers on the defense all the time. And, you know, you don't want to get him to a point where he's, you know, aiming the ball or not feeling uncomfortable. And, and so everybody's talked about it so much, you worry about whether, you know, it's going to affect them. You know, I mean, that, that is, if you get enough of it, it'll affect anybody. So you got to get pick and choose your spots, uh, I think, with the quarterback especially. And, you know, I think that, you know, maybe some of it's been overstated. Um, some of it is probably can be better um, cut down a little bit from just pass protection and things like that. And uh, you know, I think it's I think it may, you know you don't want to do it so much to a point where every time he gets the ball, the first thing he's thinking about when he gets it is, oh, don't turn it over, you know. And uh, you know he's got a job to do, and he should just let it fly. You know, you can't not, you just can't over, over, overstate enough that you don't want to get them on the wrong edge. Well, from a mentality standpoint, Coach, you're right. You, you can't be so worried about the mistake that it, it limits your playmaking and athleticism. And it sounds like um, there, there's just an emphasis. And, and the quarterbacks carried the football so much a year ago. I mean, they had... of the fumbles. There was only one fumble lost by a running back last year. The rest were were quarterbacks. Coach, uh, that relationship is special between a player and a coach, not only from from the recruiting through their time at at Nebraska and then graduating and you stay with them forever. I think of you and and John Perella, just how close you are, you and Jason or you and Grant. I, I look at Mario Verdusco today after practice talking about how tough it was to to have that conversation and probably Coach Frost to have that conversation with Adrian when he lost his job and they went somewhere else with a starter. What's that like on the coach's end where you think there's somebody better and you're going to go some other direction and and go with a new well, starter at a spot for the good of the team. Yet it just hurts you because you gotta you gotta deliver that message to to a kid who'll be heartbroken. Yeah, well, it's not it's not necessarily you know it, a lot of times that that that's the problem. And and then they get to a point like I just said, they're trying so hard to do the right thing, and it blows up in their face. And then you keep wearing it out, and and that's one of the reasons you're explaining to him that he's been turning the ball over, and that even adds to the fire. So it's a real touchy thing, you know, in there. Uh, I think, you know, at the end of the year there, you saw a different person. You know, the quarterback's going to fumble, okay? I mean, he's going to get hit in the back. He's going to get stripped. He's not going to see a lot of stuff. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, the pass blocking or the miss mistake, you know, up front and uh, blitzes and things like that that they, you know, don't block or something like that. That's all going to happen. That's going to happen to everybody. And, uh, you know, you can't blame a guy for that. I mean, it's, you know, you, you know, it's it's just a matter of, of you know being aware of it i mean some guys they say it can have eyes in the back of their head well you know when i watch him i'm not saying that he doesn't he's he's not bad you know when it comes to knowing where people are and 
and stuff like that. But sometimes, you know, when you look at it, he's he's having a tough time just getting set up to throw it. And so a lot of it, you know, it isn't always him. And so a lot of times you'll hear say it was a coverage sack, coverage sack or it was, a, you know, a, the sack was on the quarterback. It got, you know, they knocked it down or something like that. So it, there's so many different variables in there. And that's why I say the pass rush is so important because if, even if you get the guy to change the trajectory of the ball or he has to all of a sudden he sees somebody and he jerks the ball a little bit and it's poorly thrown, you know, there's all kinds of little things you can do besides just sacking him. I mean, the sack, of course, is the the main thing. I mean, that's what people talk about the most. But I don't know. I used to talk about pressure the most. You know, it was really important, and they understood you know, if we can get that quarterback to make a bad throw, that's going to make an interception. You know, so Char- Charlie McBride's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. No, I absolutely get it, but I, I want to go back to to having to bench a kid or or go with a different starter. <laughs> yeah, how how, that, how did you handle that? Well, the thing is, is a lot of it depends on the person himself. You know, it, it, some some guys you can grab by the throat. <laughs> Some guys you can't. So a lot of it has to do with, well, a lot of it has to do with the relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and one thing you want to be sure and do is not have one guy screaming at him, the other guy trying to treat him like a, you know, baby it. You know, you can't have too many people, you know, getting after him. Don't, you know, that's a bad spot. You know, if you... Uh, you know, like Coach Osmond, for example, he, he very seldom did anything when the, he knew the coaches were just, you know, getting the job done, unless the, there was something that was a team thing, more or less, and he let them have it. But, you know, it wasn't where he was, every play was just, you know, now we got the assistant screaming, now we got the head coach screaming at the kid. <laughs> I mean, that's not going to work. I'll promise you that. I mean, it wouldn't work with the toughest guy in the world. You know, because one of them is going to say it's going to say the wrong thing, and you're going to end up hating him. So, right. you know, the quarterback coach probably ought to be the guy, that, and and uh, you know, the head coach ought to be supportive, and the quarterback coach be the teacher. And, and if there's any discipline, you know, it probably ought to be done, unless the head coach is going to, you know, coach the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that's just the way I think it was done. Coach Osborne being the head coach, and it was all in one spot. You know, I mean, there wasn't any thing. And then, of course, Turner stayed away from it, you know, and uh, because Tom was the, basically was the quarterback coach <laughs> when you really get down to it. And so it's a little bit different the way it was handled when we were there than it is right now. But I don't think you can have everybody in the whole world starting to hammer at them. And I think the teammates, not they just got to be really supportive. You know, they can't even give them any direction that they're that something happens bad. It's all got to be positive. And and I think that uh, you see a lot of that going on. I mean, if you see a lot of good football teams, you'll see a lot of the, a kicker, for example, makes a bad kick and it costs them maybe the game and stuff, and there'll be a lot of guys patting them on the back and, you know, hugging his neck and stuff like that because they're, you know, that's that's what they do because they care about them. 
Coach, uh, we saw today uh, at the press conference, Mario Verduzco got a little bit emotional when he talked about uh, the decision to bench Adrian Martinez last year. And it can be so easy for a fan to sit back and say, oh, bench that dude. Let's, let's see what the backup's got. But how tough actually can that decision be, even whenever you know a, a guy isn't performing up to the standard you know he, he can play at? A coach, let me tell you, a co- each coach has his own uh, personality. You know, and and for example, uh, he can he can be, you know, the coach can be screaming at a screamer, and as long as he knows, you know, the player knows him, and and the, and that doesn't bother a lot of guys. You know, they know the guy, they know his his that his interest is in the support of the quarterback, and some guys won't do it that way. But you can't change, you can't be somebody that you're not when you're coaching. I mean, you got to be who you are, and after a while, you know your your pupil basically understands you and understands that you can lose it once in a while and and that kind of thing, and it doesn't bother because uh, he know it's it's going to happen. Uh, but a lot of guys that don't it doesn't it, you know that don't get screamed at, and all of a sudden are getting screamed at by in one guy in one ear and one guy in the other ear. That'll that'll tear a guy up. You can't go good cop, bad cop on him, Elijah. You know it? And, Coach, you just got to be consistent with your message. Coach, a couple of minutes before we got to say goodbye. Who do, who wins it tonight? Are you looking at Baylor or are you looking at Gonzaga? <laughs> well, it's going to be a shot coming down the court, about three-quarters of the court. They're going to let it go a little farther tonight. Oh, so you're telling you know, me it, it, we're going to see a sequel, huh? It's going to be I'll beyond a half-court winner? <laughs> yeah. it, it, I tell you what, it it it'd be it'd be nice to see Gonzaga win it. I I know Baylor's going to be more probably in the long run a more consistent team. You know, with their program, they're getting all you know their basketball is pretty positive down there with the girls and everything else. So it'd be nice to see Gonzaga win. Those guys worked hard, and you know it's been a great year for them. And you know, they, they really seem like they care about each other, and I like that kind of stuff. Well, you know, Suggs, the kid who hit the uh, the half quarter, was uh, sought after by about everybody to play quarterback. Nebraska was in on him to try and recruit him as a quarterback, and you know what? It's uh, He made the right call. I'm sure he was a tremendous quarterback, but wow, he's something to watch on the hardwood. Yeah, well, I tell you what, kids have they, in their minds they know what's best for them. You know what they they, and it's something you have to like to you know to really do. I know the one of the things that's hard is you get a kid coming out of high school that gets a football scholarship and he likes something else more, and most of the other sports except basketball are part scholarships. Yeah, so it's always pressure from the family, and you know take the money and. You know, and the scholarship and everything, and um, so you don't know. I mean, I was a baseball guy. You know, I really loved the sport, and I ended up going on a football scholarship, and I ended up coaching the sport because I cared about them both. I mean, I didn't. But baseball, when I was a kid, was, you know, you play more. You know, you were, you know, so that's kind of where I came from. Well, Coach, have a great Monday night. We'll get caught up again next uh, Monday as we get closer to the spring game. Thanks for taking time with us today on Hale Varsity. Okay, well, I'll tell you one thing. Just pray for no snow. No snow, my man. You and I both are on that same page. Coach, you take care. Okay.
<laughs> Have a good week. You too, bud. See, okay, see ya. There he know. is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. Yeah, 80s right now. We have Jeff Smith, Hall of Fame coach, coming up next year on site. Longwell's Hale Varsity continues. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, a road show Monday here, Championship Monday down at Longwells. And because it's 80 and sunny and beautiful and gorgeous, we're here at the uh, the drink window, uh, just uh, the south entrance at Longwells, right across from the Cube in the Commons area. Hall of Fame coach Jeff Smith is on site. It's tradition in April. We uh, didn't get to do it last year, but about every year we do state tournament basketball coach. And we're down here for some NCAA tournaments. You know it well. You coached with Nebraska during the Pikowski era and, and Ty Lu and company. And you know what March is all about. And before we get into to the Bulldogs and Bears tonight, were you a little loud for the neighbors Saturday yeah, had, had with little... that UCLA Gonzaga <laughs> finish, man? You've lived those incredible moments. And we talk about the greatness of basketball and how much fun it is and you know, we'll get into some Roy Williams thoughts in a moment because you saw those where magic moments that have Annie. Well, this is an iconic moment with Suggs uh, and, and and Gonzaga and UCLA. What a, what a ball! I love McCronin too, but take me through your Saturday night experience. Elijah was down here. I was in Coach Brett's living room. Everybody w- was somewhere. I hope to hear or see that game. I was outside on my patio, had the fire pit going, okay. and had the TV out there, and I had my brothers over. We just hadn't done anything and since Easter weekend. Sure, Mom's sure. been bugging us about getting together, right. so we thought outside was pretty safe, and um, as that game went on, there's more and more of us gathering around the TV. <laughs> I still need to go around and apologize to the neighbors because kind of everybody was for Gonzaga that night and because uh, they wanted to see the Baylor-Gonzaga yeah, match. Yeah, yeah. So it was a little loud when Suggs made that shot, just a little bit. I, just, I'll, I'll apologize to him. That's fine. You're doing it now. But, I mean, it was just – and I love the social media where there's living – you know, it's coming down to it. And and it was UCLA, my God. I, and I've seen Mick Cronin. I followed his career – uh, the rock fight that was Cincinnati, Nebraska, a few years back after the Incarnate Word loss, and that was you know Mick Cronin's just a tough dude who doesn't care that he's like five foot two, yeah. and, and and he's got great athletes that'll always be at UCLA, but they got no Hollywood attitude in them. I think that's incredible. Yeah, you know that when when people talk about they they play like the personality of yeah, the coach. Yeah. His his teams play like his personality and they are tough and and he is and they are and he demands and they respect it. And it helps when you have a dad that has two seven-footers on your staff, you know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that started a long time ago with Danny Manning, I think. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> people yeah. still get that. Get that. But no. That, they, that they, other hire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, uh, they were shooting it so well down the stretch. And not only shooters, but score, UCLA had scores, mm-hmm. too. 
Juzang and those guys, they, yeah. they could score it in other ways, but if you left them open, they were going to knock them down too. That was a really good run by them. And I, I think I told you last time we talked, I was disappointed that they put like a Michigan State UCLA together in a play-in game. Why not have you know UCLA play somebody mid-major maybe in Michigan State so they're not playing each other in that play-in game? Michigan State could have got a little hot too like sure. UCLA did and really could have beat him in that game. But that was fun to watch UCLA make that run. Well, and, and, and how about uh, the – there were so many iconic moments, and we'll get to tonight's action in a moment. Jeff Smith, Hall of Fame coach, uh, Lincoln Southeast, and, of course, assistant with uh, Coach Nee at Nebraska. There were so many iconic moments. Yes, the Suggs three. Yes, the Juzang finish. I love his game. And I know he's a, he's a Kentucky transfer, but I love his game. But you want to talk about getting uh, the the anti-posterization, that that rejection at the rim, and then the finish on the other. I mean, you had an incredible scoring first half, and you had a dynamite final five, and then you had a killer overtime. Yeah, I looked at my brother. Suggs blocked that shot at the rim. Maybe maybe a dunk took it away. Went and saved the ball. Two dribbles, had his head up. He throws a cross-court bounce pass, puts a little English on it, so it bounces right into his hands for a dunk on the other end. I, I think they lose that game if he doesn't make that play. There's no last-second shot. And I, I looked at him and said, there it is. That's the play right there. Um, that kid made an amazing play, and, and the shot was fun to watch go in too. But I'm telling you, if you if you tape that game and you go back and watch it, that, that was probably game over if the UCLA guy dunks that. Jeff Smith is with us, and uh, Hale Varsity Roadshow here at Longwells. We're outside. It's beautiful. We're shaded here. The drink window is to our right. The basketball hoop is we're just kind of positioned underneath it. We are down here every year at Longwells, and it wasn't that long ago. Junior's working on his free throws down here. Needs a little more leg push, uh, if I remember the video correctly. But uh, a final push here for Gonzaga. Do you worry at all? I, I, I've seen it talked about today. I have a take on it. I think if you win a ball game like that, your your momentum, your juice, your energy, despite the turnaround time, is incredible. And I think it's going to help propel you versus be an obstacle. As great as Baylor is, I don't worry about the, the emotion or the refocus, honestly. You win a game like that, you're still on cloud nine, and I think it continues to roll downhill for you. Am I wrong? No, I would agree with you. I, I think, you know, there, there could be some fatigue, but I think the mental, the mental buildup and approach of this game coming off of that is, is going to be fantastic. And I think they needed to get pushed, possibly. They hadn't been pushed too much. No. You know, we know they're... They average 92 points a game. I'm, I'm taking 10 off of that if they play in a Power 5 league. Okay. You know, they're going to be mid-80s, low-80s maybe. And not that their league's bad. There's some good teams, BYU and that in there. But, but they're, you're not playing the Big 12 or the Big 10, you know. And so um, I, think, I think it's good for Gonzaga. It's been two days, really, 48 hours or so, yeah. almost 48 hours. Those guys, those guys the, the kind of shape they're in, they can bounce back from that. I would take that emotion, the late game and the emotion of the win, over resting for five more hours, mm-hmm. you know, um, if, I'm, if I'm Gonzaga, and build on that and, and, and make Gonzaga players understand this is the champion. This is the final four. This is the championship game. There's going to be nothing easy. You found that out in the in the semis. You're going for immortality. I mean, we, we and I think back. One of my favorite basketball teams ever is UNLV, and the ability that that Tark had 
to to allow them to try and defend their title. And uh, they, they, you know, bought the farm doing so. But it was one last hurrah with Larry Johnson, Stacey Ogman, Greg Anthony. I can recite that team. And that kind of was a precursor to the Fab Five. And it, it was right there. And Duke, of course, is well known this time of year for the Leitner catch and shoot. It, it's right up there with the Gonzaga-UCLA finish. I mean, those are the, the two games we've talked about. But the, the team that was most serious and had a 45-game win streak was UNLV 30 years ago. And, man, uh, Gonzaga... A lot, a lot of similarities with uh, a great roster, a lot of talent, smaller conference. Didn't get the chance to go take on the, the, the monsters and power fives like UNLV scheduled due to COVID. But when we look at this here, who do you like? Do you like Baylor and what they can do? Because they're all assassins from three-point land on top of the fact they can drive and dish and they're incredible. Gonzaga's got the momentum. Gonzaga's really good. We didn't get to see these two teams play in the regular season because of COVID. How do you shape this thing up? We'll get to recruiting here in a bit with Nebraska, too. But kind of give me your coach's eye and ears tonight for, for this one. Yeah, what jumps out me with ba- out at me with Baylor is their shooting percentage from three. They shoot 41.8% as a team. I mean, the best team in the NBA, That's they're, they're like 43 or 44. Mm-hmm. So they're one of the best shooting teams ever in the history of college basketball. They have their, here's, here's their top four guys. They're, they're, they're four guards that are phenomenal. Butler shoots 41.5. Uh, Teague shoots 38.9. Mitchell shoots 45.3%. And Flegler shoots 42%. And that, that is amazing. So, so Gonzaga is really going to have to guard the three and, and maybe give up a few layups mm-hmm. because they don't want them to make threes. They, they are the first in the, they're first in the country in three-point shooting percentage. Gonzaga, on the other hand, is first in field goal percentage in the country. They shoot 55% overall. Timmy's been killer. And they're, at the they're a good three-point shooting team, shooting around 36%. So um, my worry for Gonzaga, I didn't think Kispert, Kispert looked quite right mm-hmm. the last two games. I, he was three for 10 against USC from the three. He was two for eight against UCLA. I saw him shake his head a couple times after some misses, and, and, and he during the regular season when I watched him, he never did that. He's a 44% three-point shooter. They need Kispert to make some, and they need to guard Baylor somehow on the three-point line. They do have some length. You know, Suggs is 6'4", and, and, and those guys. Uh, uh, Nebhard is 6'5". They do have some length. Um, but uh, so, so that I think that's a big factor. The other thing that I question is, um, Baylor ate Houston up with their on-ball defense, and Houston kept dribbling the ball and trying to get, you know, trying to get in the seams. And and Baylor was just too good defensively. Mitchell's phenomenal defensively, and uh, and uh, it, Gonzaga will pass and cut them, I think, better than any team ever has this year. Okay. So that to me, with Timmy inside and the bill and, and throwing it in, because that always takes away pressure too. And the ability that Gonzaga has, they're one of the best passing and cutting teams I've seen in college basketball for a long time. That 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 could allow Gonzaga to win this game. I look at Mitchell for Baylor. Uh, he is National Player of the Year defensively. He is so great at controlling both ends because he can penetrate and find those spot-up guys. And uh, his energy is so good. So he's got to be good. Timmy's got to be nice. Did you see the tweet? 
that compared Donovan Mitchell and Davion Mitchell showed them. You know, they both were 45. Okay. Their games are very similar. Okay. Some Somebody tweeted and said, I didn't know Donovan Mitchell was going back to college to play in the tournament. Right, right. But uh, he, he's an elite defender, too. Yes. That's what makes him, him so special. And, and that Butler team is good defensively. But so is Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. They got length, and they, they play such great team defense as well. And so does Baylor. Um but it's, it's, this could be a classic of all classics. Well, you, is the sequel going to be as good as the original, right? I mean, it just never happens that way. Jeff Smith is with us, your Hall of Fame coach, Lincoln Southeast, and assistant with Nebraska basketball. Uh, we've got a minute left in this segment. I'm going to need five more minutes. Yeah, no problem. Is that good with you? Hey, I, I drove down here, man. I just well, wanted to be well, outside. You're going to leave is, with some wings, my friend. This is tradition. It is. It is tradition. We, next next year, we'll show up with a green jacket on, right, as we got the Masters <laughs> end of this week. But, no, Jeff Smith is here. We want to see you down at Longwell's. Prizes for picks. And uh, we know you kicked it off the right way, that opening round Friday here at Longwell's. So, later tip-off tonight uh, after 8, our pregame coverage of the national title game here in uh, ESPN Lincoln starts at six with Westwood one. So we'll uh, spend a few more minutes. Coach Smith will have a take on Nebraska's newest commit for, uh, for coach Hoiberg. Uh, thought on Roy Williams, Tim miles is going to uh, uh, Silicon Valley. It sounds like uh, more to come here. Hail varsity road show. Elijah herbal with us as well. We're down here at Longwell's we're presented by the Nebraska lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Get ready for the title game tonight. Baylor, Gonzaga, Chris Schmidt, and the uh, coach, Jeff Smith, Hall of Fame coach, Southeastern, assistant for Nebraska basketball, Elijah Herbal, Willie J, coming on down a little bit later as we get closer to tip-off. Longwell's where we are at. It is tradition not only to be here at Longwell's for the national title game, prizes for picks, your chance at some goodies, grand prize going to be... Uh, uh, a chance to go see the Royals down at Kaufman. And, yes, that is baseball in person for you this 2021 season. So get signed up for that. Plenty of food and drink specials. Uh, you need a koozie or several for your golf bag. We are your headquarters. Uh, Coach Smith is kind enough to be on site. We're outdoors here. Beautiful weather. Incredible uh, Easter weekend. And then temperatures have carried over. We've hit spring football. We're diving into some basketball. Coach, uh, I thought on Nebraska here with uh, – Oleg uh, Kojinitz, he is a really high-level guy, a seven-footer, a three-point arsonist, and he can just get on fire, man, from from beyond the arc. And he's got pretty good weight on him, limited uh, number of games in his prep school in Ohio. But Fred Hoiberg and Coach Abdel Massey, man, they're doing their work again on the recruiting trail. Nebraska now into a top-15 spot with the the latest recruiting rankings. But as you've seen a little bit of, of... Oleg, uh, your takeaway on on what he can do, and, and I like what Fred's done. You've got the five-star, obviously, but you're getting guys that are pretty refined. Either they've been to a, a Power 5 program before or they're coming from a good prep school. Yeah, he, he went to that prep school in Ohio and unfortunately only played nine games because of COVID. So maybe a little bit under the radar, which might be to Nebraska's advantage. I know that he did visit Georgia Tech, or virtually at least. Right. And I think St. Mary's was involved, maybe Seton Hall, some of those. So so good level, you know, right there. But they're kind of saying, and what just a little clip I saw, kind of they're comparing to Eduardo Andre, another 
a, another technically sound young man that's probably got to develop in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Possible red shirt. Okay. Um, and I loved Eduardo this yeah, year. Yeah, he's uh, for, a great hands, shot, good mentality. A, yeah. yeah, and smart. You know, just a smart player. And and a lot of times, like you know, he's from, he, this Oleg's from Lithuania. Sometimes they grow up in basketball clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're we're getting that way with club basketball here, being so it's almost year round mm-hmm. for some kids if that's what they want. Um, but so so that a lot of times those guys come in with a really good knowledge base of the game and fundamentally sound. So that'll be kind of exciting. Um, hoping, I'm hoping we, we can still get a true point. You know, out, that's out that's of that. what's missing, right, yeah. for this club. Is Yesifu an option? The kid out of Drake. That's Drake had a really awesome season, and uh, Yesifu's kind of on Nebraska's radar here. I, I, from what I hear, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we don't know the in-depth story, but he would be a guy that I would think they would look at, a kid that can score like Fred likes and, yeah. and, and still handle and play point. And uh, he's kind of a scoring point guard. I'm not sure they need that totally, but just need at this point, you take the best, best available, right? And and a guy that's been in the NCAA tournament. So And then the Pinson kid's name from Missouri is kind yeah. of being thrown out there, too. I, I've actually gone in and looked at the portal the last couple of weeks. Um, it's just it's kind of fun to look at, but it's also overwhelming. Yeah, and you're working on a hundred kids a, a, in there, a thousand plus. Yeah. yeah, and you see names, and they're like, "Really, that kid's leaving?" And that kid, it's it's, it's amazing. It's got to be maddening as a coach. Oh, well, first they have to recruit Especially their if you're own a team. Five. Back. Yeah, first you got to recruit your own team back and make sure they're who's staying there. I mean, Nebraska could probably still lose a guy too. I've always thought there should be a date that they have to go into the portal by, sure, just to help coaches. But you know, until until you know this this playing for likeness and stuff until that kicks in and kids have a little more commitment from the school and commitment to even maybe a car company that they're doing commercials for i don't know if we have the right to tell them you got to stay you know and and that's the deal the kids are taking advantage of it i think all of them think there's going to be a one-year moratorium that Mm -hmm. they don't have to sit out and so 1100 probably pushing 1200 kids in there and there's some good names in there like yesifu he's a good player Tim Miles, it sounds like San Jose State. What do you know about uh, the league? I know it's a good league, but what do you know about that that gig? He's, Tim's going to a spot similar to Lincoln where there's going to be a facilities infusion. Tim got that here in Lincoln, and, and really uh, Tim did well in Lincoln uh, with uh, not only being a showman but his personality for the new building and then Boy, did he deliver with a squad. He did. Uh, you know, Tim's a builder. He's a, He rebuilds, and he, he did it at Colorado State. He did it here real quick. And um, I, I thought I was hoping he'd get Utah State because I know Craig Smith Craig had that set up for him. He did. He would have walked in there Craig, and probably Craig, uh, always the same sneaky system. good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, that, that job by Craig Smith to yeah. find it. Yeah. So good for but, him. But for Tim, they have been at the bottom. San Jose's been at the bottom of the league, so he's got his work cut out for him. But, you know, with with the portal, just like we were talking about, you can rebuild pretty fast if you can get the right yeah. guys. The thing that I notice about the portal, there's so many schools back east. I mean, it's, you know, there's not as near as many West Coast guys in that portal as there are East Coast guys. So that makes it a little tougher for the West Coast guys. Got to hear a Roy Williams story. And I know you, you, you dealt with Roy a lot with all the players you had in Southeast. And I remember my brother graduated or, or it was the same class or around the same class as, as Nick. Bob. I think Nick was younger quite a bit, a couple of years younger than, than my brother. And Nick, I know went to, I don't know Nick very well, but respect a lot, respect him greatly. And I think he, I mean, for him to choose to walk on at KU, being a Gatorade player of the year, shows a lot about him. 
shows a lot about your talent too with with developing him and that experience because you dealt with Roy right there. Yeah, we did. We went down, um, and I can't remember who they played. It was a big, big game, Big 12 game. Might have been in Oklahoma. Big 12 or, Monday or, night yeah. deal. Yeah. And and Nick and I and his dad went down and, and watched the game right behind the bench. And, of course, I'd been in there and got my brains beat out several times. You coached against fun Roy. being on the other side of it. <laughs> but, uh, so we go into this little locker room off the side after he does all his press commitments. And Roy sits down and he goes, last time I met a recruit in here was Nick Collison right in the same room. And, and he starts telling stories about Nick Collison and Nick, Nick Boss sitting there with his mouth open. like And, I, and, and Roy, Roy, I think, that they actually thought about scholarshiping Nick. I yeah. think they respect, uh, respected Nick Baugh that much, but um, they kind of knew they could probably get him as a walk-on at least for a year and see what happened. Sure. And, then, and then, of course, Roy left before Nick Carolina. got there, and, and it was really nice of Bill Self to um, to honor you know that walk-on spot. Mm-hmm. And Bill Self and I kind of knew each other. He was a GA at, uh, at Oklahoma State when I was at Nebraska, so coach self I, I called him and luckily got a hold of him he said yeah we'll honor it and and, and he he loved nick you know sure and, and uh nick still gets an interview out of him every once in a while yeah. on his podcast so it's it's kind of fun well interested just a couple of thoughts on roy uh, i know they uh, carolina's in about uh, 30 seconds here carolina's announcing uh, Hubert davis probably a wise that Carolina Mafia is going to stay in house. Keep it in the family, yeah. But but with Roy, I mean, what did you, what'd you take away well, with Roy? Roy. Especially all the matchups. Yeah, when we played Kansas, I love their system. I kind of fell in love with their system. We stole a few things like you always do, mm-hmm. even at Nebraska. But when I got my head coaching job back at Southeast after that college stint, I used a lot of their secondary break, their press philosophy, especially and especially trapping out of timeouts, going and trapping first pass, trapping, run and jump trapping. And uh, I probably should write Roy a letter and say thanks for all your X's and O's. And really, it's the North Carolina system is what it was, the Dean Smith system. But we had some battles. We, and we, we did pretty good. You guys would always beat them. Yeah, You'd always beat them. And yeah, the, you'd split with them every year. The fun year was when we beat them twice. We beat them home, then we beat them in the Big Eight tournament, and that was fun. And I had an assistant kind of mad at us one time because he thought he thought the other one of our managers was watching down there too much, like we're watching for signs or something. He yells down at us, "Quit watching Roy so much!" And our manager, I said, "Dude, stop watching him." <laughs> this is. A, <laughs> I don't know what are you so nervous about. I don't, we weren't stealing signs like we did with Michigan State, but oh, hang on, I got to hear that story. <laughs> One final thought here from Longwell's Hale Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, you're invited down here to Longwell's. Get your spot. Check out the championship game. Gonzaga Baylor, Jeff Smith, Hall of Fame coaches on site with me, Chris Schmidt. Hale Varsity Roadshow Monday. Elijah Herbal back at our studios. He'll be down here with Willie J. A little bit later on, a reminder to buckle up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We're talking uh, March and the madness that is. And so... You alluded to Michigan State. You had some legendary wins against Sparty. This is a Heathcote era when when Izzo was the assistant. You always would split with Kansas and Roy Williams while you were down there with Coach Knee. And that had to be 
pretty incredible here because those are those were you'd always play Kansas and it seemed like you get Steve Smith or or somebody high level uh, in the non-con, but you got accused of, of stealing Michigan <laughs> well, State was, signs. Well, <laughs> I probably told this story before, but back then I would remember this was the last game. year we had a guy in the sky, so we could have oh, a guy yeah, up the, in the press camera, row. Right? Yeah. We could have a guy with headphones on, and we could communicate with the bench. Well, Michigan State held up signs for their plays. And Steve Smith, there was no way when they would go one four flat, what Coach Nee would call victory play, and go one on one, then you couldn't stop Steve Smith. I mean, he's a six seven guard. Yeah, he's just unbelievable, awesome. all pro guy. So every time they hold up their play sign for the one four flat play, we go one two two zone and we're up. So I'm, I'm up on the up in the eye in the sky and I'm yelling down, <laughs> go one two two, call one two two. So we switched to one two two. Steve Smith was getting kind of frustrated because every time they'd call his play, we'd go one two they, two. They knew it. Yeah, and they hit a couple threes, but we still we still beat them. So that was that when we needed to beat them at that point. It's in our triple program. overtime, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Bo, Bo hit that shot and went Bo crazy. Reed, man. We love yeah. Bo Reed But, here. you know, we're talking about huge plays. The Bruce Chubbick block against Kansas back in that era was one, was like a Suggs play. Yeah, you know, it, it was us. right in front of – we were Section yeah. B. Loved yeah. going to games with yeah. my, my dad and my brother. And, yeah, and uh, those flashbulb moments. And Roy was, was there for a lot of them. Dick yeah. Vitale was yeah. there shooting free throws, national ball game, ABC. What a – what a great era. All right, Coach, need a prediction? All right. Feel comfortable? Yep. I, you, you have to score over 90 to, to beat Gonzaga, mm-hmm. I think. But I still think Gonzaga is going to find a way tonight. Okay. I think it's going to be like 95-92. Going to be Zags. that good. Yep. Okay, high scoring, lots of fun. Elijah, are you ready for the steak and the beer, my friend? Oh, you know I am. I stay ready. You're, okay, so we, we split again last weekend. One of us didn't think UCLA would cover. That was... <laughs> Anywho, uh, moving on. Uh, the line right now is minus four and a half Gonzaga. Who do you want? What are you doing, Elijah? See, what worries me in picking this, I got to go quick, it's just that at the end of the game of National Championship game, no team is going to give up. You're going to go to the, to the free throw battle at the yeah. end. So I don't think either team would win by only four points because if you're down four at the end of the game, you're going to foul. So I got to go with Gonzaga to cover, I think. Okay, so you think Gonzaga wins and in, in, in covers? I think okay. it's a, I think it's a close game late, but then I think Baylor plays the foul game at the end, and that's where Gonzaga builds up the lead at the end to, to cover. Okay, okay. Uh, give me wow. Give me. I'm gonna go Baylor. I'm gonna go Baylor because of their three point shooting. Baylor because of if you get the points, their defense, and give me the points, and give me uh, give me Baylor 92 uh, to 90, 92 to 90. There we have it. Hopefully, It'll be an instant hopefully in triple overtime. Coach, appreciate you. Thanks so much, Elijah. We'll see you down here. Come on down to Longwell to the Hale Varsity and ESPN Lincoln. Thanks.